All right, so we are closing out this series, and uh, it's called Make Space. And um, we've, you know, we've heard that money can buy happiness, uh, that, that money can't buy happiness. You've probably heard that many, many times. But research is proving that there is an exception to this. Actually, money can make us very happy when we give to others, when we give to others. There was a study done in Harvard Business School a few years ago by Professor Michael Norton. He interviewed over 600 Americans to learn about their income levels, their their spending habits, and how happy they are. And what they found was pretty amazing. Regardless of how much money people made, if they chose to give money to others rather than spend it on themselves, they were markedly happier. They were so much more happier than those who didn't. Think about it. Someone who has made 20000 a year, which is not much at all, and generous with their money was actually happier than someone who made twice or three times that much and did not give any of it away. It turns out that being selfless is actually more beneficial, or being selfless is actually more beneficial to self than you would think. Being selfless, not selfish, with our money and our resources. Turns out God already knew all this before Professor Norton sort of did his study. We, we see this in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. And in this, this passage, in this sermon, just like in my, in my previous sermons in this series, that we're going to be kind of jumping around because the, the, the idea of, of finances and resources and stuff is, is sprinkled throughout the, uh, the entire Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. And so we see this in, in, in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. And um, it says this, in every Everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. What a simple thing to say. Giving is more blessing. There's more of a blessing than receiving. So if we, if we give, we will receive that blessing. This can be hard to believe and practice because receiving can make us feel pretty blessed too. I mean, we, we like receiving things. We like receiving, uh, you know, whether it's a small thing or, or, or a big thing. But having the mindset that being able to give, even if you are, even of the little that you have, will make you happier, that is an important point to remember, an important thing in life to remember. It can also uh, be hurt, uh, hard to think about giving when we've worked really hard for what we have. It's hard to just give that away. We saw that a little bit in that video that we just saw. I, it can go against our instinct, our instinct to turn around and give that away. It can feel like moving backwards. So in those moments, it's good to remember it isn't really ours in the first place. We talked about that in week one. It's not ours in the first place. So in this series, we've learned about how important it is to acknowledge that everything we have belongs to God. And we are managers of everything that, he, that he's given to us. Now, there could be some fear of failure on that, definitely. We may feel like we, may feel like we don't have enough. But you trust me, it doesn't matter what you have, what God's given you. You have something that you can manage that God has given to us. And we also learned in the past few weeks that how, how money doesn't need to control us, how to get away from that. And you can listen to all these sermon series on our website, like pornonline.com. And then we also talked about removing those temptations in our life. The benefit of this work 
of taking these messages to heart and making financial space in our lives is being able to prioritize the things that really matter in our life. So today, we're going to wrap up this Make Space series by exploring one of the things the Bible makes clear. God wants us to do with our finances, and that is giving. He wants us to give. We're going to be uh, looking at generosity in general and how all the things we've learned so far about financial wisdom will help us be um, where we are in life because someone was generous to us. So think about it. Think about it in your life. There were times that someone was generous to you. If you have a job, if you have, a, you have an income, someone was generous to you, to you by hiring you. Someone offered you a job. There was no expectation of you getting that job. Someone hired you. Also, you, uh, someone could be lending you money. There have been times of that in your past, probably. Or maybe, uh, maybe a place to stay. Maybe you, someone offered you a place to stay. Or, or maybe uh, help with homework. Or help with free babysitting. And those things in that season of your life were a game changer. They were a game changer in your life. So there was some generosity in your life and my life as well. And a life of generosity is a better blessing. So there are three big benefits to living a life of generosity. And that's what we're going to talk about today as we close out the series. There are three benefits to living a life of generosity. Number one, generosity transforms and grows. Generosity transforms and grows. At its core, giving and, and being generous isn't really about what's being given. Generosity is about what your heart, uh, about your heart and, and God is, is doing in your heart and what God wants to do. In fact, God is always, always has your heart in mind. It's always about the heart. It's not what's in the checking account or, you know, what's on the bill, you know. It, it's, it's all about what God has in your heart. And, and God has this, has this wild goal for you and your heart as well. Do you know what that goal is? Well, we find that, let's look, look at Ephesians 5, uh, 5, 1 through 2. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself us up for, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We're told here to follow God's example. We're told to imitate God. That is our goal, to imitate God. Now, you're not going to imitate God to live a perfect life. That, that's, not, that he, that's not his expectation. That's why he provides grace. He knows there's sin in the world. He knows that we sin, but he's offered the free gift of salvation so we can go before him with grace. But he does want us to imitate him when it comes to generosity. When we start to contemplate imitating God's example, we naturally start to think about his biggest traits. If you were to list the biggest traits of, of, of God, you'd probably, you'd probably list at the top, not just, you know, maybe he's powerful, you know, almighty, just, you know, lots of other attributes. But I think we can pretty much agree if you know him and if you read the Bible, even parts of the Bible, you can tell that the biggest attribute of God is his love. His love. He leads with love. He showers us with love. 
The Bible makes this clear. We are to love God and love others. Clearly, love is, is incredibly important. And God gave us the most vivid picture imaginable of the importance when he made the greatest sacrifice. And we, we see this in the, in the most popular verse ever, most popular verse in the Bible, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's, it's talking about the moment when our heavenly father gave his one son, his only son on a cross for you and for me. There's no more important event in history of mankind and there's no greater picture of love, no greater picture of love than for God to give and offer his son. God loved humanity so much that he gave his most costly thing he could give. He gave his son. That amazing sacrifice will forever declare God's love for us. Let me remind you of something. If you hear anything today, whether you're watching live, here, or later, it doesn't matter. God loves you. God loves you. It doesn't matter if you, what you've done. You may say, well, there's no way God can love me. There's no way uh, what I've done in the past that God can, can love me. Yes, he can. He can love you, and he does love you. Now, you may not be at a place where you may not love yourself. That's different. But the more you, you fall in love with God and, and completely surrender your life to him and allow him to be Lord and Savior of your life, the more that you fall in love with yourself. We, we heard a little bit about that testimony with Angela Salazar as she was in a place where she didn't really love herself, but she does now because she loves Jesus. And so but God loves you. Now, of course, the, the big point of this verse is love, but the verse teaches us something else that's also very important. We see there, that here that God's great love prompted him to do something. It prompted him to give. God's love was so great for us that he gave the biggest thing he could ever give. I mean, he, he gave part of himself because Jesus is part of the Trinity. You got the Father, you have the Son, you have the Holy Spirit. You have the part of the Trinity, three in one. He gave part of himself. He gave his one and only Son. Why? Because he first loved us. It shows through his generosity. Simply put, God is a giver. God loves to give. I know people have this picture of God like he's up there and he's powerful and he's just shaking his finger and, you know, you know crossing his arms and tapping his foot and he's just saying, Mm-mm-mm. no, no, no. That's not, that's not God. God, God, is a, God is a God of love, laughter. I believe God laughs. Yes. God is, a, is full of laughter, joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy from heaven. Our strength comes from heaven. As heaven and earth touches each other and, and as we trust in God, the joy of the Lord comes from heaven, from his throne to us through the Holy Spirit. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And if the joy of the Lord is his strength, that means joy comes from him and he is filled with joy and he loves to give. He loves to give. You know, he gave lots of things. He gave his son for you and me, but we, that's not the only thing. It didn't stop there. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave it to us. Here, Holy Spirit. Here it is. 
It's like, <laughs> I, I compare Holy Spirit to like Wi-Fi and internet. I mean, I grew up, you know, with, without a computer. You know, back in the 80s, we had, you know, uh, Atari, and that was it. You know, two lines, you know, and a ball just, you know, building, and it would, that was it. That was all we got, right? And, you know, no computer, and no internet, you know. But now it's like there's, there's internet everywhere. We have it wherever we go. And I know it could, it could be a bad thing, but, but it's also a good thing in the fact that we are so well connected and the gospel can be shared in so many powerful ways. People are watching online now or maybe you're watching later. Why? Because of the internet. And so God says, hey, here's the Holy Spirit. Here's a gift. You can move in power. You can move in greater communication. And he gave us that. He gave us his word. He made sure that his word was protected throughout mankind. And he gave us this word. And if you think this word is just about a bunch of dead people, four dead people, you got it wrong. This word is a word for us today. It is alive. It is active. And it is a sword. It is there's a sword of strength. And this word is something that he has given to us. And if we don't use it, we're like, Lord, I don't really need that. He's given us so many things. He's such, he, and not only that, he's given us new life. He's given us new life. Tonight, we will celebrate people who have chosen Jesus as the Lord and Savior, and he's given them new life. One of our, one of our, uh, one of our students that are being baptized, we have, uh, we have uh, you know, some children and adults and, and a teenager. But one particular uh, teenager, uh, she gave her heart to Jesus this past summer at camp. And ever since then, the joy of the Lord is just shining bright on her face. And you can see that. And it's like new life. She came up before church and she says, you know, Pastor Frank, I'm going to show you a picture. Uh, I think it was, a, it was a nephew that was being born and, and was born, um, you know, this week, yesterday, I don't know. But she was showing me a picture and new life and I was like you know what just like that new life God has given you new life and we celebrate that with her and those who are being baptized yes give the Lord a praise offering this morning so he's given us so many things he's God of generosity living generously is God's way if we're going to follow his example generosity has to be a driving force in our hearts and our actions the truth is that we're never more like God than when we love and when we give. We are never more like him than when we love and when we give. You want to be like God? Love like God. Give like God. Love like God and live like God. That doesn't mean you have to give away, you know, one of your children, even though there's probably days you want to do that. But you want to love like God and you want to give like God. That is a way that you can live generously. And we lean into this imitation, imitating our God in these ways. We start to reflect his character and his glory to those all around us. Uh, the Apostle Paul explains this in 2 Corinthians 3.18. I know I'm just really just picking passages all over the place, but just hang with me. 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we are with uh, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. And so 
The way, the, the benefit, again, we're talking right now, the first benefit of living a life of generosity, it transforms us. When we become like God, when we love like God, when we give like God, it transforms our life. Maybe one reason why we haven't been transformed, if you haven't been transformed, you're stuck in a rut, it might be that you need to love like God and you need to give like God. We're told that when we lean into all of this, the act of reflecting God's glory starts to not just keep help others, but it helps to transform ourselves. Have you ever helped someone and it kind of helped you in return? Yeah. Yeah, it just kind of pulls you out of a funk, you know, out of a rut or something. And it's like, yeah, I helped that person, but I, I think they really helped me. More than, more than anything. We're not simply mimicking God, but we're becoming more and more like him as we imitate him. So a, gener- a, a lifestyle of generosity has a benefit that it transforms us. It transforms us. And then also, the second point is a life of generosity guides and protects It guides and protects. As we talked about a few weeks ago, accumulating money and things can be a distraction from what really matters in our lives. We all know people that do crazy things with money. You may have done some crazy things with money. We've all seen people make insane sacrifices for cash or material items because those, those things have a lot of pull on their lives. When we are focused on something, we start to see it everywhere. I mean, you've, you've probably experienced this. Let's say if you had this desire to, uh, to purchase a certain car. I, I've seen this before. Whenever, um, whenever our daughter Madison, our, our oldest child, it was time for her to for her to have a car, and we didn't we didn't really get that to, for her until she was in college and actually her, her last year in college, and so um, I kind of settled in on a Rav Four. I was just thinking, you know, I think a Rav Four would be good for her. It kind of fits her personality. You know, we we like Toyotas, and so we thought it'd be great. So I was looking for a used uh, Rav Four, and I've never really shopped for Rav Fours. But as I was looking online for Rav Fours and looking on Facebook Marketplace, do you know what I saw every day? Rav Fours on the road. I was like, hey, there's a Rav Four. Oh, there's another Rav Four. And there's another one. It's like they all of a sudden appeared out of the blue. Well, they've always been there. Even, even one of my neighbors drove a RAV4. I didn't know that. Why? Because my mind was focused on a RAV4. I was, I was so focused. And, and there was a pull on that RAV4. So I saw it everywhere I went. <laughs> and so we have this... Um, we have this mindset that, that when we focus on something so much, it does have this pull. If we are focused on our, first on our careers, growing our bank account, our bigger house, or possessing the latest trends, then those things are going to be a priority of our hearts. Now, I'm not saying me purchasing a RAV4 is, is a bad thing. No. Obviously, it was something that Madison needed. She needed a car. We wanted to bless her for that, for finishing uh, college and, and everything. You guys remember maps? <laughs> remember those things that you would unfold and you would just do that, maps? You know, kids, you ought to look that up. Google it. You know, it, it's an old artifact. Maps. 
You know, back before the days of GPS chips and our phones, people use maps a lot. And, and in modern map making, the map is always shown with the north on the campus, on the compass, pointing up. If you look at a map, you'll, you'll see this diagram, and it, and it shows north pointing up. It's assumed that you use a magnetic north as your reference point. But it's really interesting. In the Middle Ages, their maps often started with the east as their reference point. Didn't know that till I was preparing this sermon. European map makers, map makers in Europe, at the time were heavily influenced by Christianity. And they reasoned that the most important point on the planet was where Jesus died to the east of them in Jerusalem. Isn't that amazing? Back in the day, Middle Ages. In fact, the word Orient just means east. And we see, and we still use this uh, to mean orientation even today. Perhaps the map makers were onto something. Our lives are the same way. We're going to orient our lives by something to make our decision and navigate our lives. The only question is, what will be our point of orientation? What is your point of orientation? Is your, is your point of orientation on yourself? Or is your point of orientation on Christ, on what God wants in your life? Check out this verse in 1 Timothy six seventeen through 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You see, I mean, you see that? I mean, he richly provides that for our enjoyment so we can have joy. Verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds. Not rich in money, rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Verse 19, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. The good news is that when we orient to God, we are safer than when we put our hope in accumulating enough money and possessions. Why? Because unlike the pursuit of wealth and possessions that can make us obsessive and, and, and damage our minds, hearts, and lives, putting hope in God means embracing and enjoying all the good things he has entrusted us with. He wants us to enjoy those things. I know sometimes it's, not, it's hard to enjoy your, your car when it breaks down, your lawnmower when it needs to be fixed, that, that a weed eater that just won't start and you just, you know, you want to kick it, you know, and throw it away or, or, or your house where, you know, you have plumbing problems and lots of things going on. But he wants you to enjoy those things. And when those things just don't work and it can cause frustration in your life, you just want to say, you want to say something else, but I want to encourage you to do this. Lord, thank you for that weed eater that doesn't work. Now, I need you to fix your weed eater, <laughs> right? It all belongs to him. I need you to fix your car. It belongs to you. I need you to fix this house. Show me wisdom how to be that good manager. When we focus on God, on his example, our mind will begin to see God everywhere. Just like earlier when I was talking about the car. When we orient our minds, not, our, not on, on what we want you know, to accumulate other things and ourselves. But when we, when we start to focus our mind on God, we see him everywhere in all the things that he's given to us. And we start to connect the dots. Lord, I see why you gave that to me. 
I see now why you gave me this time, extra time, because this person in my life needed that. I see now why, why you gave me, you know, this, this extra money, because this person needed this. Or I see why you gave me this house that we can bless others. You know, it would have been hard a few years ago to house three ladies who are here on, on a mission trip in Atlanta because every room was full. It would have been difficult, but now we can. And we love doing that. And, and we just thank God for that. And so you see God in, 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 in every area of your life. So a, a lifestyle of generosity transforms us, it protects us, and then finally it blesses us. A life of generosity blesses us. So we know that stepping in a life of generosity, it, it will transform us and protect, but it also blesses. Once we get past uh, the thought of what it might cost us, we be, can begin to see how it blesses others. So what does a lifestyle of generosity look like? What does that look like? Well, it, well, it means that we're committed to being generous with whatever God places in our hands. It's not focusing on what, on what we can't give, but it's about looking for ways to give. It's not focusing on what we can't give, but looking for ways that we can give. So what are some ways you can give? You can give with your talent. God has given you a, a, a unique mixture of gifts and skills to bless others. Okay? And it's not just, you know, people think talent, they think musical, you know, talent, whatever. We had guys on, on stage sharing their musical abilities. We had uh, people on stage just, um, being able to share announcements and everything and be able to talk in front of people. And those are certain giftedness, but there's also people serving right now uh, with our kids and everything that they have uh, certain gifts that they can share with others and, can, and they, they're blessed through that. You can also, God blesses you through your treasure as well. You know, part of the arrangement is that God wants to be able to send things through you, not just to you. Let me make sure you get this. Sometimes God gives, gives you things and sends it through you, not to you. When God blesses you with something, it could be that you're supposed to take that and pass it on. You're a conduit. You're... Your, your connection between what God wants to do with this person and, and he gives it to you, whether it be time, talent, treasure, whatever, and he gives it to you to pass it on. So sometimes he gives it through you and sometimes he gives it to you. And then last is your time. You know, time is just basically giving of yourself, giving of yourself, Giving of your very self, and, and often that's, a, that's the hardest thing to give because our time is just so precious. My time is, is very precious. And so giving of myself sometimes, like, okay, I gotta, I gotta focus in. This is not about me. This is about what this person needs. And so we can live uh, uh, just that life of, of, of generosity and be blessed. We are blessed whenever we use our talent, our treasure, and our time. Your generosity can have a tremendous impact. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 12 through 13. 
This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expectations of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have provided, you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. So others will praise God for your obedience of being generous. Other people will serve God. The bottom line is that living a life of generosity, a real generosity, is what makes your faith and love real to others. It makes it real to others. You know, it, it could come across as, as nothing more than lip service if you don't give your time, your talent, your treasure. And showing that your deeds are as good as your doctrine. It's just an example of showing that your deeds are as good as your doctrine. It backs up what you believe. If you believe that, that God does an incredible thing, if you believe that God does amazing things in your life and God can do amazing things, then what we need, you need to do, what we need to do is constantly be aware of that our deeds can be the very thing that backs up what we believe, our doctrine. I love this in, in Proverbs eleven twenty five. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. When you refresh others with your generosity, you will also be refreshed. There's joy to be found when we give to others and we have generosity. So, how do we live a life of generosity? And what are the what are the benefits of, of that generosity? As we've seen, that generosity, it transforms us, it protects us, and it can even bless and refresh us. It transforms us as we become like Jesus, and it protects us from wanting things that we really don't need. Because when we live in generosity, we don't crave those things. We live a life of contentment, and then it blesses us more than we can ever imagine. And so we just want to encourage you to live that life of generosity. Be like God who first loved us and because of his love, he gave love. He gave love and he gave his son. He showed us. And you might be here today, it's like, well, Frank, I don't deserve that gift. I don't deserve that gift. Well, gifts aren't something that you deserve anyway. That's why they're called gifts. You don't earn a gift. You know, you just don't. I mean, if you're born, you didn't really do anything about being born. You just, you were just born. That was somebody else. That was other people and God working on that. You did nothing. You just arrived. And yet you get birthday gifts or birthday blessings in some way, capacity. But you didn't earn those, those birthday gifts. Just like you don't earn the free gift of salvation. There's nothing you can do to earn that. It's a free gift. And God loves to bless it. And all you have to do is receive that free gift. 
Every head bowed, every eye closed. As we, as we close out this service, I just want to make sure you understand. And, and, and again, earlier I said that I want you to make sure you understand one thing. Is that God loves you. God is generous towards you. He, he has gifted you with so many wonderful things. Not only his son, the free gift of salvation, but he's also gifted you with his word, with the Holy Spirit ready to come inside you. And so, if you've never, if you've never received that gift, if you've always felt like, I, I just didn't, I don't deserve it, you know, stop, stop thinking that. Stop thinking that way that, that you deserve it. You, there's nothing you can do. Just receive it. And all you do is you just simply say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. Please come into my life. Be Lord of my life. I accept you. I receive your gift of life. Bring your Holy Spirit inside me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The most important gift you can receive is your life. And as we are generous, we want to give just like God gave. We want to lead with love. We want to lead with love and let love be the driving force to our generosity. Hey, as we close, I do want to call your attention to this. You've you probably found this on your seat. Uh, this is basically a, 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 a new way that we are um, doing our, our tithes and our offering. And the reason why, and I've got some uh, questions you may have uh, regarding that. Uh, so basically, it, it's all a way that we can save uh, some money. As, as, you know, as you know, when, we, uh, when people give electronically, there's some charges with that. And, and this system's gonna uh, be a cost, um, uh, you know, a less of a cost for us. And then the whole system itself. And so um, all of that begins on October 1st, which is Saturday. Now, you can continue to give um, now um, if you, if you want to um, go ahead and give like we normally do online. You can go and do that. In fact, you can actually continue that through the month of October if you need to because we're going to kind of keep both systems for the, for the month of October. But starting this Saturday, you can actually switch over to this. And if you have a recurring gift like through Backpack Buddies or through your tithes and offering, and uh, you could just cancel that um, through our, our old system of Tidely and move into this. And if you need some help with that, you can reach out to us and uh, reach out to our website uh, for those who are online or a lot of you have my phone number, just reach out uh, to me. But on this uh, card, you have a way you can just scan um, the, the way to, uh, to give. You can also text give, which we're really excited about. You can actually text the word give to that number and just follow the instructions. And in the future, you can say give, you know, $20, and it'll go right into our uh, regular uh, giving, our, our main account. And, um, or you can type the word help. $20, and it'll go to our benevolence fund, where it goes to people who, in our community, who need that. And then uh, type the word buddy, and then whatever the amount is, and it'll uh, go directly to our backpack buddies. And there'll be some other keywords on that. But um, our mobile app and website uh, is coming in, in October, and we'll give you more information about that. Um, and then another way 
For those younger generations who, who uh, like to give through Venmo, we've actually set that up as well. So you can Venmo now that. So just find us at Lake Point Online. It's all right there. So Lake Point Online, and you can give through Venmo, and it'll go uh, to our account. I know a lot of people like to uh, just give uh, through that as well. But we'll be, we'll be giving you some more information about how to make um, that switch. And, uh, and we're excited about uh, as we move on to a new system in the last quarter of this year. So that way we're ready to go for 2020. Hey, um, we're so uh, delighted that you came today. For those who watch online, I do want to uh, let you know that starting next week, we start a new series called Holy Ghost Stories. You don't want to miss it. Starting next week in the month of October, Holy Ghost Stories. I'm super excited uh, about this series. And so you want to invite some friends and, um, and make sure you come to be a part of that or watch online. And, uh, and also, don't forget next week, start bringing some candy for our, our, our big gift. And tonight, you don't want to miss tonight, we have our church, our church picnic at the Beach Pavilion at Lake Point. Uh, just, you know where the, Lake Point, the Chick-fil-A Lake Point is? Just go, it's right there by uh, Terminus Wake Park. And uh, just park there. And uh, we've got hamburgers ready to go for you. Just bring a side, a side and a dessert. We've got drinks there. And we just have a great time and just fellowship. If you want to play some volleyball, we'll have some volleyball there as well. And then we'll celebrate new life. A baptism at Terminus Wake Park. So it's a great opportunity for you to connect with others. I'd love for you to come and hope you can join us, invite some friends, and we'll see you tonight and next week. Love you guys. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.